Opinions expressed herein are subject to change and not necessarily the opinion of the firm. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The information presented herein is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide personal investment advice. It is important that you consider your tolerance for risk and investment goals when making investment decisions. Investing in securities does involve risk and the potential of losing money. The material does not constitute research, investment advice, or trade recommendations. And now introducing Mr. Keith Lanton. Hi, good morning. Monday, just about midway through November, November 16, 2020. Got a whole host of uh, exciting uh, things to talk about this morning as we approach year-end and certainly as we approach uh, Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Um, this morning, going to uh, talk about topic that uh, is certainly uh, getting lots of attention, which is uh, the coronavirus and uh, some lessons for a post-pandemic world, um, and uh, looking forward to being post-pandemic, um, as we are obviously currently in the throes of uh, another wave. I'm going to then talk about uh, markets, I'm seeing futures up higher this morning, um, and talk about barons and a few different uh, stock ideas and then turn things over to Brad to give us some insights uh, on markets and the bond market. So, second, uh, well, actually, I should say third Monday, um, where uh, where we have uh, Bernard Herald and Lantern uh, together, and we're making a lot of progress uh, integrating our operations, and appreciate everyone uh, as their uh, patience uh, as we uh, as we move forward with, uh, with getting everything uh, ironed out. So this morning... I want to start out to talk about a book that was uh, written by uh, Farid Zakaria, um, talking about lessons uh, for a post-pandemic world, talking about uh, the uh, novel Coronavirus. And one of the points uh, that he makes, and literally it's a point, is how we have uh, been very much disrupted by something that is one ten-thousandth of the size of the period that you see at the end of a uh, typed sentence. And the thought process here is is the human reaction to something that's small and microscopic and how we often don't take the same level of, uh, of, of concern or caution, whether it's warranted or not, with something that we can't see as opposed to something we can see. It's something that's interesting in terms of our genetic uh, composition and the evolution of, uh, of, of our species is if we were to walk down the street and uh, the world kind of looked like one of those uh, uh, drug uh, drug advertisements and you know, we had uh, these uh, these little uh, you know red balls that were 10 feet tall um, with uh, with spikes on them representing coronavirus for everywhere that there was a coronavirus um, we might take a very different attitude to how we approach uh, going out and how we approach the precautions that we take because we can see it and it's something that's intimidating, whereas when something is uh, is invisible, we take uh, different uh, actions. And another factor that uh, certainly is, uh, has impacted us and perhaps caught us as a society off guard is that this is the first time in everyone's life on this planet where we have experienced the plague of this scale um, on our planet. Um, despite the fact that plagues of this size are not unique, and this is uh, fortunately not the worst plague that, uh, that the Earth has seen that's uh, infected humans, nevertheless, no one 
on the planet uh, has experienced anything uh, to this magnitude, which is certainly influencing uh, our entire experience. Now that we have this knowledge, and now that it's uh, it's it's ingrained into uh, each of us in its own unique way, um, it's very probable that how we as a society adjust going forward as soon as we have uh, vaccines available, which is looking more and more optimistic with the news from Moderna this morning, um, you know, how we react uh, in a post-pandemic world. And we are experiencing certainly uh, very concerning times, uh, but certainly very unique times. Um, and uh, Lenin uh, is said to have once said, there are decades when nothing happens, and then there are weeks when decades happen. And it's very possible that the post-pandemic world is in many aspects going to be a sped-up version of the world we know, the world we previously knew. And thinking about that, we are seeing an acceleration of trends that were in place prior to the coronavirus. And if you're thinking as an investor, um, the world has already thought about where the world is going. But nevertheless, that trend um, that many of us may expect uh, to cease or slow down or stop may continue. And trends such as things like video conferencing or Zoom. Um, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal last week on how AT&T in the early 60s had developed technology whereby people could talk to one another while seeing each other. It was at the World's Fair in uh, Queens, New York, and it never caught on. People uh, very much liked seeing the other person, but very much didn't like uh, having themselves be seen. And the technology, uh, which was widely expected to be tremendously uh, popular, never materialized um, until now. And this technology is uh, is being embraced and now that it's uh, now that it's uh, becoming mainstream, it's uh, creating opportunities, perhaps, um, for business travel to occur um, a little bit less. Uh, not not calling for a cessation of business travel once things return to normal, but perhaps people will travel on business a little bit less and be able to do it a little more economically in terms of seeing people. Um, the ability to work outside of the office and to work at home, um, the ability to move out of uh, cities and into suburbs, the transformation of the population from high-tax states to low-tax states as that mobility increases, the storage of information in the cloud and the ease and accessibility of being able to access that information, whether you're in a physical location like your office or you're, uh, or you're at home or you're on your mobile device and be able to access that information seamlessly and uh, securely. Diet being affected. Um, how people uh, how people eat m more healthily, perhaps uh, perhaps eating out less. Uh, the trend to uh, to dine at home and to pay more attention to uh, the intake of the foods um, trends that uh, very well could persist. Um, certainly, online shopping, online ordering. Um, we've uh, we've seen uh, 75, 85, 95, 105 year olds um, who possibly. Uh, Never thought that they would be uh, buying groceries or, or, or gifts online, um, now becoming uh, regular online consumers. And uh, we may see the next wave of this coming in new technologies that are being developed where you would uh, scan your body into, uh, into a, uh, an app and you'd be able to remotely try on clothes and you'd be able to ultimately uh, buy custom clothes at a very reasonable price as the technology uh, develops. Um, we're already seeing uh, things that uh, previously were unthinkable uh, to be bought sight unseen, um, regularly being bought uh, online or uh, by, by app, uh, you know, things like uh, automobiles, 
um, used cars with apps uh, like things like uh, Carvana. Another factor that we may consider with uh, with these microscopic uh, viruses and how we think about uh, how we think about uh, how vulnerable we are is we may take a different view to uh, technology and warfare. Uh, we've all heard about uh, about uh, warfare being done with uh, germ warfare, and 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 it's been done and tried. And as a matter of fact, uh, in the Revolutionary War, the British they uh, they encouraged uh, citizens in Boston who had smallpox. In many cases, they forced them to march through the woods, hoping to infect uh, the colonial uh, Continental Army. Uh, George Washington had uh, extremely strict orders, uh, in fact, orders to shoot to kill if someone. Uh, who uh, who was in the city of Boston uh, approached his troops he was terrified that they would uh, bring smallpox to the troops and uh, and this is something that uh, that may pervade we may see more investment in uh, in defenses uh, against uh, against uh, bio uh, bio threats what the pandemic has also brought about is a uh, is is a discussion about uh, is a discussion about government and what is the what is the most effective uh, form of government? Uh, obviously, uh, you know, for uh, for society, um, but also uh, for uh, for for what uh, what level of openness are we comfortable with uh, to do certain things, including managing a pandemic? And if you go back to uh, the plague that spread through Europe uh, in the uh, 13 and 1400s, the need for a centralizing force to enforce quarantines is one of the factors that. Uh, that uh, historians say led to the the birth of nations and sovereign sovereign states um, as these uh, as these uh, quasi government organizations that were set up to enforce quarantines. Um, once the uh, once the pandemic uh, then ended, um, these organizations remained in place and uh, sowed the seeds for the beginnings of uh, nation states in the United States. Based on how we were formed and and how we were constructed with uh, with uh, Concerns about centralized government um, and um, and and many good reasons for that. Nevertheless, uh, the fact that we have uh, in this country so many different governments and government agencies. In fact, we have 2,684 state, local, and tribal health departments, um, and we have over 90,000 state and local governments, um, each issuing their own set of rules and mandates, um, making uh, making compliance. Uh, Oftentimes uh, tricky. Um, in many cases, uh, you may um, move just uh, a, a mile or so and be subject to a whole set of new rules and restrictions. Um, somewhat uh, complicating the U.S. efforts versus uh, versus uh, how things were done in Taiwan or South Korea, or to a more uh, extreme uh, government, uh, uh, how things uh, were done in China. It's also uh, made it more challenging and difficult uh, to uh, to be able to evaluate the effectiveness. Of, uh, of different uh, of different uh, techniques to control the virus because we have a mishmash here of old technology, new technology um, in terms of delivering information on on testing, um, in terms of delivering information on uh, on clusters. Um, whereas uh, in other countries that have uh, more centralized uh, more centralized uh, information systems for uh, for health, um, it's become uh, somewhat of a strategic advantage in that sense. Um, for them to uh, be able to uh, have access to better information, so certainly we'll see lots of uh, lots of um, changes, perhaps uh, that uh, that the pandemic brings about, and uh, uh, thinking about how those uh, changes, uh, you know, trickle into society uh, certainly can have a significant impact uh, on 
um, investments and uh, and and how society uh, how society is influenced uh, by those uh, by the post pandemic world. So speaking of the post pandemic world, we received some more good news this morning, which is uh, helping uh, the financial markets. Uh, Moderna, um, which is a uh, which is a company developing a, a Corona vaccine, said that its vaccine is ninety four and a half percent effective in preventing COVID nineteen. Um, and that is based on late stage clinical trials. Um, one of the, uh, one of the uh, positives, uh, about the, uh, Moderna vaccine, um, that distinguishes it from the, uh, Pfizer vaccine is it is easier to distribute, um, because, uh, the Moderna said they expect their vaccine to be stable at standard refrigerated temperatures of two to eight degrees Celsius for 30 days, and that their vaccine can be stored for up to six months at minus 20 degrees Celsius. Um, you may remember that the uh, the uh, Pfizer vaccine requires uh, temperatures uh, for transportation and storage of minus, uh, I believe, 70 degrees Celsius, um, which uh, which imposes some challenges. Uh, the data from the Moderna uh, trial, which included 30,000 uh, participants, showed that the vaccine prevented cases of severe COVID-19, a question that still remains with the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, there were 95 cases in the in Moderna's trial in total. Um, 11 of those cases were severe, and all 11 of those severe cases uh, were among volunteers who got the placebo. So right now we're seeing Dow futures uh, as a result of this encouraging news of 500 points. S&P futures are up 37. Um, NASDAQ futures are down 38, and Russell 2000 futures are up 40. So we are uh, seeing a continuation of the trend that uh, Barron's talked a lot about this week, which is uh, the movement uh, out of uh, some of the high-flying technology stocks, some of those stocks that uh, benefited uh, the most from staying at home into uh, into um, companies that benefit from the opening up of the economy. And we're also seeing a move into uh, value stocks, which I'll talk a little bit more as well. Um, overseas, European markets are up anywhere between 1% and 2%. Um, in Asia, uh, pretty much the same trend, up between one and two percent. Um, commodities uh, this morning, oil is up a dollar sixty-eight, up over four percent, and we are seeing gold this morning down about eight dollars an ounce, um, down uh, to about eighteen seventy-eight an ounce uh, for gold. Um, dollar relatively uh, flat this morning, and we are seeing Treasury yields tick modestly higher, up about a basis point on the ten-year and the thirty-year. 10 years, 90 basis points, 30 year is uh, 1.65%. The other very big news today getting overshadowed, but perhaps uh, this uh, this news may cast a very long shadow over the longer term, um, is a uh, big trade deal, um, 14 countries um, um, and China, so 15 in total, signing the world's largest trade agreement. The Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership was signed over the weekend. This deal does not include the United States. Um, this is something that analysts had expected would take years to materialize. Um, some saying uh, this could be uh, the most important uh, trade deal uh, ever inked. Um, it covers 2.2 billion people, $26 trillion of global output. Um, this deal accounts for 30% of the worldwide population, as well as about 30% of the global economy. Um, and it's larger than what's covered under the United States, Mexico, and Canada agreement, as well as agreements uh that are made uh, between European countries in the EU. Um, this uh, then raises the question on whether or not the United States, under a Biden administration, will uh, seek to negotiate any uh, mega trade deals. 
um, and speculation uh, just uh, getting started uh, there. Uh, many provisions of this agreement are expected to uh, to uh, phase in, um, so uh, some of the uh, some of the full effects won't be felt for a decade or two. Uh, but nevertheless, the uh, symbolism of this uh, of this deal is significant. Moving on, a couple of other uh, companies in the news: Palo Alto Networks uh, had earnings beating pot- bottom and top line estimates. Stock moving higher this morning. Uh, Tyson Foods also uh, beating estimates. Higher this morning, uh, Zoom, uh, which I mentioned earlier, um, is uh, lower this morning as uh, as part of the early rotation out of the uh, mega cap growth uh, stocks uh, due to uh, the uh, virus news. Um, some other uh, stories this morning, um, the headlines on uh, new cases and infection of coronavirus, something the market's not focusing on this morning. Nevertheless, uh, seeing very concerning uptick throughout the country of uh, new cases, uh, Many hospitals at or near capacity, uh, especially in the uh, in the Midwest, and uh, starting to uh, see signs that uh, they're becoming overwhelmed. Um, incoming uh, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klein says stimulus agreement should not wait until Joe Biden takes office, and he spoke to the Democratic leadership about that. Michigan and Washington ordered new coronavirus restrictions, such as closure of indoor dining and restrictions on gatherings. That's from the Wall Street Journal. Um, President-elect uh, Biden's coronavirus advisors say they do not support a national lockdown, but they do support targeted mitigation, according to Bloomberg. Axios is reporting that President, President Trump is planning a more aggressive approach to China before he leaves office, which will include plans to sanction trade with more Chinese companies. Um, and Fox News is reporting that uh, AT&T is mulling a sale of uh, CNN. And uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk, uh, who... Uh, had a uh, successful launch uh, for his company SpaceX um, of uh, astronauts the International Space Station, which is quite an achievement. Uh, um, but Musk, who has uh, been uh, somewhat of a, uh, a skeptic uh, with respect to coronavirus, says he most likely has a moderate uh, case of coronavirus. Uh, Bristol-Myers BMY this morning upgraded to buy from Hold at Society General, and they have a $76 target. Um, what to look forward to this week? Uh, today we uh, we've got some more earnings. Uh, we had uh, earnings already from uh, JD.com in China. Some strong results there. Um, also tomorrow, Home Depot and Walmart report earnings. Retail sales data for October are tomorrow. They're expected to see a half a percent month uh, month to month rise. Um, and uh, X Autos it's seen rising uh, retail sales up six tenths of one percent. That will certainly be carefully watched. Um, on Wednesday, Johnson & Johnson, who's also working on a uh, coronavirus, um, hosts a two-day meeting to discuss the strategy and innovation in its medical devices unit. Thursday, we get leading economic indicators. Um, we get the National Association of Realtors reporting existing home sales, and we get initial jobless claims for the week ending November 14th. Uh, that number is expected to show 709,000 claims. So moving on to... Uh, to, to Barron's, uh, some news uh, in in Barron's this week. Um, Barron's uh, talking about last week where the Dow was up over 4%, the S&P added 2%, um, and the NASDAQ was down half of 1% for its third out of the last four weeks of declines in the NASDAQ. Uh, the Russell 2000 benchmark small cap stocks rose 6%, first record close since 2018. Barron's highlighting small cap stocks, suggesting that uh, that may be a... Uh, very uh, opportunistic time to uh, to consider uh, small cap stocks. 
So what happened last week? Well, as the vaccine news sparked a uh, a dramatic and perhaps violent shift in the positioning of some leverage players, um, many leverage players who pursue a long short strategy, um, which uh, recently has entailed buying indexes of baskets of stocks that uh, have been benefiting from momentum. Um, these are the stocks that have uh, been the stay-at-home stocks, um, and what they've been at the same time they've been selling stocks with negative momentum, which are typically the value shares, the travel stocks. Um, as uh, as last week uh, news uh, about the uh, Pfizer vaccine came out, uh, saw a significant unwinding of that trade, and therefore that uh, that rapid uh, movement uh, in in these uh, in these trades and these stocks. Um, if we were to see an opening up of the economy and things returning back to normal, some say, well, we should start to see more normal interest rates. Um, if you go back to pre-pandemic, you were looking at Treasury yields that were relatively close to two percent. Um, right now, uh, they're hovering closer to 1%, and these low rates are working in stocks' favor. Um, the stampede um, that has resulted from these low interest rates has been a stampede into uh, global equities, um, and this has uh, been a result partly of these very low interest rates. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of last week, uh, negative-yielding global bonds reached, 20, uh, reached $17 trillion, equaling their uh, all-time high. As a matter of fact, if you look in, uh, at European government bonds in two years or less, yielding less than zero, even Greek bonds were yielding less than zero um, if you're looking at, uh, at, uh, at two years or less inside of the EU. Um, and Italian and Greek 10-year bonds were yielding about 50 basis points. Uh, so um, what were previously super risky assets uh, paying almost nothing, um, you can see the potential allure of the alternative um, which is uh, which is equities. At the same time, uh, Barron's uh, does point out and uh, starting to get concerned about soaring coronavirus cases and the potential um, that they may cause uh, further shutdowns, which could hit the economy. Um, at the moment, markets looking past that uh, and looking to a sunnier future where uh, these vaccines get distributed and uh, not applying or or, or weighing. Um, all that much on these uh, concerns at the moment, but Barron's uh, suggesting if things were to get uh, even worse, uh, that perhaps uh, some of that thinking uh, could uh, could shift and uh, our emotions could start uh, getting the uh, best of us. I talked about those violent swings last week. Um, interesting statistic, a portfolio that was long the cheapest stocks and short the most expensive ones um, would have returned 6.4% on Monday. Um, a similar portfolio constructed by buying stocks with the most momentum and selling ones with the least momentum, that portfolio would have fallen 14% on Monday. It would have been its worst day on record, so you can get a sense of uh, of, of how much uh, things uh, moved around. Um, some analysts uh, suggesting that value stocks, particularly consumer cyclicals, have much more room uh, to uh, to run, and uh, we're likely to see a rotation slowly selling some of the COVID winners, particularly those that won't have staying power after a vaccine is distributed, and buying companies that will benefit from reopening um, is a strategy that we're starting to uh, see uh, market participants employ. Um, it's possible we could see uh, some false starts on that uh, over the near term, but uh, Barron's feels that that trend is in place, um, although they do point out that so far um, in the month of November, coming into today, uh, before today's potential upward movement, um, market's been up 9.6% in November alone, and the market may need time to digest those gains that have resulted from vaccine news and from the uh, results about the uh, presidential election. So 
Talking about small cap stocks, which was the uh, headline story in Barron's. Um, Barron's uh, suggesting that uh, that small cap stocks uh, may be the uh, most opportune uh, in the equity market here in the United States. Uh, they point out that from 1926 to 2014, uh, small cap stocks uh, have earned over 4% more than the overall market. Uh, that has not been the case uh, since uh, 2014, where small cap stocks have, have lagged. Um, they do point out that uh, premiums in small cap stocks or outperformance in small cap stocks um, has uh, disappeared, um, only to reappear again. So they think that the trend or or, or the uh, long-term uh, trend of uh, outperformance will continue, and therefore um, small cap stocks uh, perhaps uh, merit uh, meaningful attention. Uh, the most expensive stocks in the market have gained 54% since 2017, while the cheapest stocks have lost 22%. One of the widest and longest gaps in 40 years. Why bother in small cap value stocks now? Um, one argument is record low valuation. Small cap value is trading at a 60% discount to its average valuation in the post-war era. Um, and it's only been this inexpensive uh, one other time. Put in perspective uh, how you could get a move into small cap value stocks. Uh, the Russell 2000 value index, that's 2000 value stocks, has a market value of $1.5 trillion which makes it roughly the size of Amazon. So if you started seeing uh, money flow out of not necessarily Amazon per se, but other large cap stocks, perhaps some stocks that have been uh, beneficiaries as a result of the uh, pandemic and don't have the staying power and sort, uh, a movement into small cap value, um, it could potentially have a big return on uh, on the movement uh, in those stocks. What's interesting is Barron's does not suggest uh, being a participant in small cap value through ETFs. Um, they say they are packed with unprofitable retail energy and financial stocks, um, and therefore uh, having a, a quality mutual fund with a, a good team that's capable of uh, analyzing uh, small cap value stocks uh, is the uh, is the best uh, approach in their opinion. And they do go through uh, a list of a few small cap value stocks uh, to consider, which I'd be happy to send to anyone. Um, but in the interest of time, uh, I'm not going to go through those uh, companies. Um, some other companies mentioned in Barron's uh, favorably. Um, one is Visa, symbol V as in Victor, uh, which has been a tremendous performer. It's up more than 1,000% over the past decade. And uh, there are a whole uh, list of companies that are uh, eyeing uh, Visa's uh, business, trying to take some of the uh, toll road money that Visa's collecting uh, when, you, uh, when you swipe that credit card. Uh, Visa, which was first uh, spawned when uh, when uh, Bank America came out with what's uh, called the Bank America card, which was actually a piece of paper, in 1958, and Bank America made a strategic decision to keep the credit business, uh, but they licensed the financial plumbing to other banks, which eventually became Visa, and also a rival system, uh, MasterCard, arose. Um, give a little bit of uh, of history. Um, but as a result of that credit card uh, being launched in 1958, um, Americans uh, have embraced uh, spending without cash, and uh, that embrace is uh, turned into uh, a very big hug um, as paying with cash right now is kind of the financial equivalent of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of sneezing and shaking hands um, in the uh, pandemic. It's, uh, it's uh, considered a, a lot, uh, a lot better if you could just uh, tap your card and uh, and not share any of those uh, germs. So card adoption is up almost five percent since the pandemic began. Uh, the problem is people have been uh, purchasing uh, less, especially on travel and uh, and restaurants. Uh, but that trend is expected to uh, is expected to uh, reverse. 
um, especially uh, with the virus uh, hopefully getting under control with a, a vaccine. Um, and uh, business for Visa expected to uh, to pick up uh, 24% uh, next uh, year. The wild card for Visa is China. Visa doesn't have a license, license to operate there. Um, but uh, but uh, based on the trade deal between China and the Trump administration, China is supposed to open China to foreign payment companies like Visa. Um, right now, UnionPay, which is uh, China's uh, equivalent to Visa, is the largest uh, n- uh, network uh, Visa-like network uh, in the world. Um, another big opportunity for Visa is uh, taking business from uh, ACH payment. Maybe uh, you pay college tuition that way or you pay your rent through ACH. Um, and uh, credit cards uh, trying to uh, make inroads there. And the banks have an incentive uh, to help you make those inroads uh, because the banks like when you use those credit cards and don't like it as much when you use ACH because ACH is a nonprofit network. Uh, two other quick ideas. I'm going to turn things over to uh, Brad. Um, two chip stocks mentioned favorably. One is Micron Technologies, MU, uh, memory chip maker. Uh, historically, it's been a boom and bust business, um, but the business has been consolidating um, both on the uh, on the DRAM side, um, which is the uh, memory chip side, um, as well as on the flash, uh, NAND flash side, uh, two ways to store data. MU has about 70% of their business from uh, from DRAM and about 30% from Flash. Uh, both those markets have been consolidating, taking a lot of competition out of uh, the market. And uh, Micron's uh, business, according to analysts, starting to improve uh, significantly um, as uh, demand for their chips increases from uh, cloud uh Cloud participants from uh, from mobile participants, uh, as well as from uh, from non uh, non traditional uh, uh, computer chip uh, demand side, uh, especially uh, automotive, where we're seeing more and more chips go into uh, automobiles. Um, one analyst uh, saying he thinks uh, the stock has the potential um, to double to around 120, um, based on his expectations that uh, earnings could uh, could ramp up significantly, and then. One fall in uh, Angel um, that, uh, that Barron's hasn't given up on is uh, Intel, um, which uh, they say has fallen behind its rivals in tech, um, but Barron's saying that Intel can rise again. Uh, this is partly a story about uh, valuation and uh, partly a story about research and development. Um, Intel, which has fallen behind rivals, nevertheless, uh, Intel has unmatched resources when it comes to driving future innovation. Last year, it spent $13.4 billion on research and development. That's triple what rivals uh, NVIDIA and AMD spent together. Um, so uh, the general thesis here is uh, don't count Intel out. Um, even in a worst-case scenario, which they suggest would be Intel uh, outsourcing some manufacturing to its, of its chips, which they somewhat feel is somewhat inevitable, um, would be a scenario where um, Analysts would uh, would start to uh, feel more comfortable, and some uh, potential valuation would be unlocked. So, with a near three percent dividend yield, trading around ten times earnings, the thesis here is that uh, is that Intel, uh, while while um, not uh, not sitting on that high perch it once was, is uh, is uh, in the uh, Barron's author's opinions is certainly not the situation of a General Electric, which is a company that once had been great and. Uh, is uh, going to have an extreme challenge to uh, regain that uh, greatness. I'm going to hand it off to Brad. Good morning, Brad. Morning, Keith. Thanks. Morning, everyone. I uh, hope everyone had a good weekend. I was uh, thinking over the weekend how uh, the vaccine may affect municipals 
And um, in my opinion, there are going to be two things that we're going to be looking at. Uh, one, if the vaccine is successful and we get to the other side, uh, business is going to pick up, life's going to get back to normal, and states and cities are obviously going to benefit from increased and a more normalized tax revenue flow, uh, which will help uh, municipals and municipalities and their credit worthiness. On the other hand, uh, when we get to the point of normalcy, uh, there should be more of a risk on trade, and uh, I would assume that would mean higher interest rates. Uh, there will be uh, less fear in the markets, and as these uh, interest rates start to drift higher, uh, that will be a different pull on municipals. Uh, and it'll be a more traditional way that municipals uh, have trade will have traded in in the past. Um, however, this morning I walked in. And I would have expected with the second vaccine announcement that uh, treasury rates would have been uh, much higher here, and meaning the bond prices would have been lower. Uh, but they seem to be hanging in today. Uh, the ten-year is essentially unchanged at around 0.9. And uh, even though that is uh, well off its low yields, uh, it's still uh, it's 0.9 to me for a 10-year bond. Still uh, sounds like like crisis mode. Um, so we'll really have to see where where everything heads uh, because municipals have been trading more like a risk asset than a riskless asset. Uh, but if the vaccine comes through, we get back to normalcy. Municipals will trade in a more traditional uh, way, which is basically uh, what's going on uh, with treasuries as well as what's going on with certain individual credits here and there. But the municipal market as a whole will generally move with treasuries. Um, my, my, my conclusion is that munis have been pricing cheaper because of these credit concerns. Um, and if we have a, a successful vaccine as well as uh, – a stimulus bill that comes in that ha that will help the states and municipalities. Uh, this will outweigh higher interest rates in the short term uh, because the municipals really have been selling uh, cheap trading cheaper because of the credit fears. Uh, we've talked about the last few weeks that municipal bonds are trading at 200% or more of where uh, their correspondent treasuries are trading. So let's just keep an eye on that and that spread. Uh, if, if the analysis holds that uh, the vaccine's successful and we get stimulus, uh, my opinion is that uh, municipals uh, would be uh, a buy because uh, the values of these bonds should hold uh, relative to a higher rate environment. That's just my thoughts for, for the morning. Thanks. That's everything I've got. Thank you for listening to Mr. Keith Lanton. This podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. For more information, please visit our website at www.heraldlantern.com.